I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Spring football just around the corner with a starting date of April 3rd. We are running down position by position with Dogman Radio Podcast just to give you a little bit more in-depth than we can do in anything that we write today. Defensive line. Akaika Malo's done just an outstanding job here the last couple of years in developing defensive linemen. They lose Danny Shelton, Elijah Qualls, Vita Vea. This year they lose Greg Gaines. But there's still a talented group coming back. Uh, and one guy who maybe moved to a little bit of a position. I'm not kind of sure how that works because Benning Patoa A was listed as a buck, which is kind of like an outside linebacker, defensive end. But I've always kind of looked at Benning as a defensive end and kind of a defensive lineman anyways. Does this just mean, Chris, that he's not out in space a little bit more than he has been in the past? Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd think so, right, Kim? I mean, it, it just makes sense that why would they, you know, why would it be just a cosmetic switch? Why would they list him on Go Huskies from an offensive or, excuse me, an outside linebacker to a defensive lineman? It just... Why wouldn't you just keep him there if he was going to do the same thing? This feels to me like it's going to be a bit of a switch. And, yeah, I mean, clearly when you're an outside backer in Washington scheme, you're playing a lot more on the uh, defensive line anyways. You're kind of, you know, sometimes with your hands down, sometimes you are playing in space. I think when you list him as a defensive lineman like that, and again, it's 6'3", 277 pounds, you were playing him as close to the line as possible most of the time anyways. Uh, whether that was lined up against a tight end or things like that. But um, now you have to assume that he is going to fill in in one of those gaps left by a Jalen Johnson or a Shane Bowman, you know, or like you said, a great Gaines. I don't think he's going to be playing much at the nose, for instance, because they've got guys that can do that. But um, yeah, as a senior, it makes sense because they've got so many guys down the line that are so young. It would be nice to have more of a veteran presence in there. And it's kind of weird Kim, to think that they lost three pretty good defensive linemen, senior guys last year, but they've got four seniors this year. And so it's good to have Benning in that mix because he's going to be one of those guys that's really leading the line. And and uh, they need that yeah. kind of leadership and kind of veteran presence to help kind of bring some of these other guys along. Do you really remember him dropping back in pass coverage? He would go out in space a little bit from time to time. Yeah, for sure. He okay. would certainly go out and in the flats and things like that sometimes, like on the, you know, definitely in the screen games and things like that, he would do some things. But there's no doubt, I'd say 75%, 80% at least of his play was in the tackle box and, and doing stuff. So that part of the game won't be unfamiliar to him at all. And he's a guy that I thought, you know, really came on in the second half of last year. And if he can keep that momentum going uh, with another year, being that fifth-year senior, I think he could really be a good player this fall, uh, Chris. No question. And I think that they feel like that's that's probably one of the reasons why the move makes sense is they feel he's probably a natural fit there. He's done a lot of those types of things anyway, and he's got the size to get the job done. So it's not exactly, you know, just because he might move in and might be more of a five technique as opposed to that seven or nine. Um, I don't think that's going to be that big a deal to him because in some of their schemes, especially in their pass protections and, and not pass protection, but in their pass schemes, when they were in nickel and dime type coverages, which they're in a lot, obviously, because they have uh, a lot of nickel and dime type stuff right. that they've employed over the years with Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake, that he's playing a lot of those rush positions anyways in uh, in past situations. A guy that started to play uh, get more reps at the end of last year, transferred local kid, 
Uh, was it Tulane he went to, or was it Temple? I always get Temple. those two confused. Temple. Temple. Uh, Josiah Bronson, uh, transfer, had to sit out a year, but I thought he really started to show some flashes last year, and evidently at the uh, Combine Day uh, looked pretty good when it comes to the on-field workouts. We'll see when the pads get on, but definitely a guy we need to keep our eye on this spring, Chris. Indeed, and I think this is one of the guys that really benefits from, like last year, being in in the kind of the rotation with the Kaika Malloy and having them kind of go in those hockey shift type uh, situations. People probably don't realize it, but he played in 12 games last year, Josiah Bronson did. He only missed, I think, the Auburn game, the first game of the year, and the Apple Cup. And so um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you really he probably didn't uh, stand out to a lot of a lot of Husky fans. But again, he got a lot of valuable reps and some some good turns in a lot of those meaningful games. And so it's going to be good for him to kind of be now considered one of the leaders on the line and one of those guys that's really going to have to step up. And um, yeah, I, I expect, uh, I don't know if I expect big things from Josiah Bronson, but I certainly expect him to at least play in another 12 games and, and be a little bit more impactful um, in terms of what he's going to do this fall. A guy that um, looks the part, but we, some people are going to say, who is he? Is he still here? Jason Scrampos. What's the deal with Jason Scrampos? Yeah, <laughs> wish I could tell you. Honestly, I mean, he yeah. is a guy. You look at him, he's 6'6", he's 290 plus and uh, what have you. And, and you're like, okay, this is a guy that they can work with. This That's the kind of clay that you want in terms of a, a raw athlete who can really run. And he can do all those things. But he only played in three games last year. He only played in three games the year before. Um, it's been a little banged up here and there. So, again, a guy that has shown a ton of potential physically but has just never been able to put it all together for whatever reason. Now, we have seen it in the past, Kim. Akaika Malloy has been able to get something out of or, or, or choke before him. They've been able to get something out of some of these seniors that have really kind of floundered and kind of scuffled along a little bit. Like Tani Tupo had all the, all the promise in the world coming into Washington, kind of didn't do much until his senior year, and then all of a sudden became an all-pack 12-type kid. So do I expect that from Jason Skrempos? No. Do I expect him to be a lot more impactful than playing in three games like he did last year? Hell yeah. I think they'll they'll rely on him a little bit more. Could he play in double-digit games? Could he get a few tackles? Can he help kind of solidify the line rotation? I think that's what your expectation has to be if you're a Kaika Malloy and if you're a Washington fan. You just want to see this guy get in a little bit because he has all the physical makeup to be a, to be a guy that can do some things. Coach Pete's been really good about bringing in walk-ons and developing them and guys that actually get playing time and work their way up into a scholarship at some point. And uh, John Clark played quite a bit last year and played some meaningful minutes. He didn't just play in mop-up duty. He played in crunch time quite a bit. Right. He played in nine games. Um, he, he, he played in the Pac-12 title game against Utah, and he played in the Rose Bowl. That's pretty cool. And I know, and, and Coach Peterson, I mean, fairly enough, I guess, he doesn't like it when the media talks about the difference between scholarship guys and walk-on guys. He just looks at them as guys that can that can help impact the team in a positive way. And there's no doubt that he's done that. And uh, now as a senior, he's got a chance to be a, a guy that can be a regular rotation guy. Can he play in another nine games? Can he do some things and, and be an impactful guy in the rotation? Sure. I mean, he's shown that he could do it last year. He was injured in 2017, so that's why people probably don't know too much about John Clark. But uh, he's he did some nice things last year for sure, and I think he can do some nice things again 
this year. And, and when you lose three seniors, like, you know, like Washington did, you've got to have some of these more veteran guys step up, whether they're walk-ons or scholarship guys. And, and John Clark is certainly one of those guys that can help them. When you take a look at the list of the off, uh, defensive linemen, the guy that jumps out, the guy who has that all-conference potential, NFL potential, and that's Levi Onwuzrike out of Texas. For sure. And and it's interesting because you look at them moving Benning Potoai to, to defensive tackle and, and to try to shore up that veteran leadership and that kind of thing. You know, Onzurike was the one guy that's coming back that has that leadership and has that that kind of experience that you look for in a veteran guy. I mean, he played in all 14 games last year. He played in 12 or 13 games the year before that. So he's got a lot. He's a, you know, basically a two-year starter coming back. Um, you know, didn't, I mean, he didn't really start in 2017, but he made five starts in 2018. Um, the only reason he didn't start more was because he's behind a bunch of seniors, but uh, he had some real noticeable plays uh, was it the one in Colorado where he had the, the the sack or the tackle for loss where he just rolled into the backfield and just ripped up the ball carrier? It was uh, a really, really impressive play. He did that a few times in 2018, and I, I think you know he's the one guy where I think people are expecting a lot more and have a, a, he has a chance to be an all-Pac-12 type guy, I think, in 2019. He's he's already an, all, uh, an all-academic uh, all-Pac-12 guy. So we know he's a smart kid, um, knows how to get back to the ball carrier. He's shown it now, um, you know, being alongside maybe some of these younger, you know, nose tackles or what have you. Can he get into some one on one type situations? Because we've shown he's shown that that's when he's really at his best. Washington was at the luxury they were able to redshirt quite a few guys last year, especially a couple of the defensive linemen that they really needed to redshirt, but they got them a little bit of experience, allowing them to play in up to four games. Thule, I don't even need, I don't even attempt to pronounce his last name anymore, but uh, I call Thule a two-gap defensive lineman because he's as wide as they come. Yeah, he's 6'1", 336. It's Thule, Thule Gasanoa. Okay. And um, again, you know, came from powerhouse program in the Bay Area. De La Salle was originally going to sign with USC before uh, switching late and signing with Washington. So we know he can play. Um, he played a couple in a couple games. I don't think he even played the full four games. I think he played. I know he played in North Dakota for sure. I want to say I think he also played a call against Colorado uh, as well. So. Again, like we said, you know, a wide, a wide guy, 336 pounds is what he's listed at. And, um, you know, he's you a talk big, about him as, big, big, big lower body. Right. You talk about his, you, like you talk about him as a two, a two gap guy. Yeah. That's because he can play up right up against the, the center and then he can go into either the, you know, e- either gap and, and, and make a, you know, cause a real problem. The biggest thing, what you want with those guys is the ability to take on double teams and if he can take on some double teams like Greg Gaines was able to, Vita Vea before that, you know, you, you've got an opportunity where other guys around him, whether it's an Anzarike or a Benning Potoai or some of these other guys, they can start making hay on the one-on-one matchups. He's shown that he's tough in some of the reps that he's had. We haven't seen a ton of him, obviously, but this spring is where we hopefully will get to see a lot more of him and go up with some of these other guys to create some problems. But we know the pedigree is there. We know the athleticism is there. We know he's a big enough guy that he can really cause a problem in terms of just taking on those double teams, possibly even triple teams. Yep. What he, you know, but obviously the the future is bright for a guy like Thule. Sam Taimani, not much smaller. 
<laughs> no, he's only 318, apparently, listed on, yeah. on Go Huskies as 318. And he played, I think, he only played in the one game, if I remember. Um, I think he played against Oregon State, if I remember right. Had a couple tackles, actually, too. So, um, again, another guy who was a great two-way player when he played at East High School in Salt Lake City. He was a great offensive line because a lot of people were thinking he could be an offensive lineman, Kim, as well as it, you know, because what he what he was potentially uh, able to do. He kind of reminds me a little bit, um, a little shorter version of like a Senio Calamete in terms of that kind of athleticism, great footwork and, and things like that. So, again, with only seeing him in one game, it was really hard to see um, what the future might hold for him, but he's clearly a big enough guy probably is more of that true uh, defensive tackle as opposed to maybe that nose. Um, you know, it, it just, uh, again, like Thule, a kid, I think that every Washington fan is just, they're, they're salivating. They're just waiting to see what these guys are capable of doing because what they were able to do at the high school level was so significant and they were so dominant that um, the, the future is so bright for those guys. I'll admit I'm not in preseason, excuse me, in midseason form on all the Pauly names, but uh, another guy uh, that is a local kid was, I think he was actually committed to Utah, and from all the reports we've gotten, has put on the weight and just looks like an absolute monster, uh, Mosiah. Mosiah Nasili Liu, yep. He's, uh, again, 6'1", about 290-ish now. He's a guy that works out with Tracy Ford and Ford Sports. And, you know, you get to see a video of him every once in a while doing some footwork or doing some power stuff. And uh, he's a really, really impressive athlete uh, related to Vita Vea, as we all know. So we know the bloodline is there. And again, he's just another one of those talented redshirt freshmen that are coming through the ranks. And, and that's what this spring is all about, Kim, is just to try to see what kind of improvement they've made from year one to year two and see where they all kind of fit in, where what what piece does he fit into the puzzle that uh, Akaika Malloy is trying to put together along that defensive line? He looks to me like, again, he's probably more of that defensive, that three technique, five technique, probably a little bit more of what you would see out of a Benning Potowai, for instance, because that's what he did when he was at uh, Emerald Ridge, when he was in, in high school, was more of that kind of that, that straight pass rusher type guy instead of a a uh, guy that would take on double double teams and triple teams, for instance. So I think it's going to be real exciting to see what an athlete like Mosiah Nasili Leo can do. Draco Bynum, a little bit different body style than the other guys that we mentioned. Uh, he was able to redshirt last year, and he's a real impressive-looking athlete, Chris. When you take a look at him, he's down out of the uh, Oregon. Uh, but when you take a look at Draco Bynum, uh, he's just uh, more tall, more lean, uh, muscular build to him rather than the short, stout interior guy. Right. He definitely, again, U.S. Army All-American in high school. Uh, what's interesting about Draco is that I, I don't know if he's following the same kind of timeline as a guy like a Will Disley or what have you, but there's been there's been thoughts. Could, could he potentially move to tight end? I mean, I don't know. He's a very talented kid, and he has that kind of similar frame that a guy like Will Disley had too. So who knows? I mean, is it possible that he could move over there? I mean, it's, there's kind of a log jam at tight end right now too, but you never know. You never know. And he is definitely a much different body type than all of the, especially all the other redshirt freshmen that came in. And definitely, I would say the rest of the defensive line too. He certainly would be more of a pure pass rushing guy. You could see him maybe um, if by moving Benny in that Benning inside, maybe we're starting to think about a guy like Draco Bynum maybe moving into that 
that hybrid, that uh, that buck position that we talk about, that outside linebacker type spot. Maybe he goes out and does some some more things in some space and and kind of takes over a little bit more for what Benning was doing. So there's potential there. And again, it's 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 pieces on the board. It's how do you how do you fit all these guys together to make it work the way it's supposed to? But he's very intriguing, great athlete, very aggressive. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Kaika Malloy uses him this uh, this spring. Jacob Bandis, uh, one of the freshmen, and he is in early. We expect to see him at spring ball. He's a guy that, you know, he's got the talent, but uh, we'll see what he does this spring to see if he's going to be ready to play this fall. But really highly touted guy, and I know the recruiting analysts love Jacob Bandis. Yeah, he he was a guy that emerged out uh, during the opening, you know, was the best defensive lineman there in Texas this summer, you know, comes in early, you know, body-wise, you, you wouldn't uh, differentiate him from any of the other guys out there. He's 6'2", 315 pounds. He's physically ready to go. And I think, um, as we've seen in the past, they haven't shied away from trying to use some of these true freshmen and trying to get them integrated. And if he's truly better than some of these other guys, and and if he really hits the ground running, who knows what the future holds right now for Jacob Bandis. But I guarantee you this, Kim, he did not enroll early and go through all of the trouble of doing that in the high school situation to uh, sit on the bench. You know, he came in because he wants to play and he wants to play a lot. And I think they'll give him every opportunity. I mean, Washington has shown for years and years under Chris Peterson that if you are a true freshman, that doesn't mean anything. If you are the best guy for the job, you're going to get the you're going to get the time. And so uh, we'll see what happens with Jacob Bandis. I think it's he's going to be a very intriguing guy to watch right out of the gate uh, a week from Wednesday to see what he does. Akeka Malloy's always had some returning guys. He's got a few coming back this year, but boy, there's some guys that really need to step up on the defensive line. So it will be interesting to follow in this spring to see who is that guy that steps up. Just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates in your inbox, as well as alerts from any breaking news, breaking news, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. We'll make sure to get those out to you again, huskystadium at gmail.com. Subject line newsletter. We will get you all hooked up. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.